Hey Rebels, welcome to another edition of Rebel Parenting. I'm your host, Ryan Dobson, with my wife, Laura. We've got a longtime friend of ours on today. Her name is Heidi St. John. She's got a brand new book coming out. It's called Becoming Mom Strong. I met Heidi way back when I was at Family Talk. She's got seven kids, and she and her husband, Jay, packed up all seven kids. It's nine people in an RV. And I'm not talking about like one of those double-decker, super, you know, multi-hundred-thousand-dollar buses with, you know, private compartments and all this stuff. It was just a regular RV. Nine people pulled up to the Family Talk parking lot. Everybody piled out. We just became friends with their family, and I like doing life with them. I like how their family operates. I follow them all on Instagram. We follow each other. You can find her. She's a great blogger. She's got a great, great podcast, and it's called The Busy Mom. You can find all of that at thebusymom.com. Heidi St. John, this book, Becoming Mom Strong, you are going to love it. You know, we say here on Rebel Parenting, the loudest voice in a woman's head normally is the one that says you're not good enough and you're not doing a good enough job. This book will help you overcome it and she'll help you overcome it through and in the Lord. And that's what I love about it so much. Before we get to that, are you watching us on Rebel Live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday? You can find us facebook.com slash Dobson or YouTube slash James Ryan Dobson. We're streaming on both places now. So check that out. We're doing all kinds of great stuff. Current events and a lot of teaching, a lot more stuff from me and the stuff Rebel is doing. Most of the stuff on the podcast is guests and you know speakers, authors, people like that. Most of the on the live video is about me and the stuff that we're doing personally. So you can find us three times a week there and once on the podcast. Let's jump into the podcast today because it's Heidi St. John becoming mom strong on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Heidi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We, I've known you for so long. The first time I met you, you and Jay drove into the Family Talk parking lot in an RV with kids everywhere, and I just thought, oh my goodness, this looks like so much chaos and so much fun, and mm. I mean, we fell in love with you. We started Rebel Parenting. You guys are the epitome of rebel parents. So thank you for coming on the program today. Hey, thanks for having me. This is a thrill. You know, I love hanging out with you. And I think this is the first time I've gotten a chance to talk to Laura and I can tell we're going to be like <laughs> friends forever. So this is yeah. awesome. I'm stoked. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Thanks and we're going to get up to the Pacific Northwest to see you. In fact, Heidi, yep. Uh, yes. We're doing our Rebel Parenting Tour in 2018, May and June. So we're coming uh, through California, Oregon, Washington. So for sure, we're going to stop by and yeah, see St. Yeah, you're Thomas. coming to God's country. Give me a heads up. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Listen, your new book, I love it. I, You know, I've published before. I've worked with publishers. I'm obsessed by everything about it. And your book came through the mail. One, I was super excited because you were like, hey, I got a new book coming out. Can I send it to you? I was like, of course you send it to me for sure. The cover is so great. It's called Becoming Mom Strong. Mm-hmm. Your name looks beautiful on it. The, the book is its gorgeous. It's a gorgeous book. It's so easy to pick up. How to fight with all that's in you for your family and your faith. Unbelievable. Thank you for writing this book. We've been all through it. It's so funny. Producer Kristen's sitting here with us, and I've got <laughs> your advanced reader copy that she reads, and it's like, I've got all these little post-it notes in there. It says, uh, exhaustion for moms, uh, fear yeah. and love, um, uh, great quote, um, spending more time uh, in the Bible and with the Holy Spirit is mm. what's most needed. There's all these little things that I started looking at her post-it notes going, oh, oh, this broadcast. <laughs> this is, it's exactly, Laura loves this book. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. 
Yeah. So I'm so glad. What was the process? I mean, we've told, we've asked this question before, but books aren't mm-hmm. something that you're like, I don't know, maybe I'll write a book. I mean, it's blood, sweat, <laughs> tears, it's years, it's pain, it's ag- all those things. Yeah. Why becoming mom strong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I, this, this book has been, God's been writing this book on mm. my heart for probably the last 15 years. Um, our oldest daughter is, she'll be 26 when this book hits stores. And so I've been at the mothering gig for a long time. <laughs> and your youngest um, is? Yeah. Yeah, and our youngest is six. Nothing oh. to see here. Keep moving. <laughs> Sorry. So the quote where you've the had journey. a toddler in the home for 22 straight years. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we yeah. have you on. We've only had toddlers you twice. Are mom strong. Yeah, you are. Yeah, that's right. You are and mom. That's why. Be strong. Beast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I like uh, peanut butter and chocolate together. That's why I put peanut butter mm. in my chocolate ice cream. That's why. Good uh-huh. for yeah. you. Toddlers for too long. Yeah. Tea is for toddlers and you can actually have them for too long. But I I would not trade. I mean, that you, you've met Sailor and I wouldn't trade oh, that little girl and that little caboose baby for mm-hmm. nothing in the world. She's like the Tinkerbell in our family. She keeps mm-hmm. us young. I had her in my 40s and uh, she keeps us young. And I and you know what else? She kind of keeps us relevant. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, still, I'm still doing it. You know, I'm still, still doing the mother it. thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. the advice is great. I mean, you really talk about all these things in there. So in your definition, someone picks up this book and they mm-hmm. go, okay, I just heard someone talking today. They've got all, they were, they were uh, making fun of the girls rock of adult women wearing girls rock shirts. And it's like, Ooh, <laughs> you know, like just cause you were born a gender doesn't really mean anything. But in your definition, <laughs> there is a mom strong. Am I going to get people mad yeah, at me for that one? That's okay. Leave okay. it in. Perfect. What's mom strong? <laughs> In your definition, you know, what does this mean? Yeah. So Mom Strong to me is, and I'm uh, this book is really aimed at Christian women. Um, and Mom Strong to me is a mom who is wanting to take back the cultural narrative of parenting. Mm. She wants to take back the cultural narrative of motherhood because I think that we, we you know, there's a lot mean? of mommy bloggers mean, the out there. You know, narr- we're talking narrative. about it. And I, we're not talking about it. Huh? Say again. Is, sorry. What's the cultural narrative of motherhood mean? What is that when you say that? So. That's a good question. So to me, the cultural narrative is that mo- mothers take a backseat to the school system. We take mm-hmm. a backseat to the col- to the news. We're not t- we're not engaging with our children because it's not that big of a deal. And I'm here to say, engage your children. Talk to them about the culture. Teach them the word of God. Be the person who advocates for your child. Here, where where I live in my neck of the woods now, um, as soon as our kids turn 12, I no longer have access to their medical records. I literally can't get access. It's what? insane. Wait, what? Yep. Yep. So they go to the hospital and get surgery, and you call the hospital and go, my kid came home, he's got 47 staples. What happened? And they go, sorry, he can tell you or not. Yeah, that's Stop no, that's it. exactly what it is. Nope, that's, that's in Washington State. Mm-hmm. Washington How? State. Yeah, and you were only you the know, second I, to legalize weed. You think it <laughs> would happen here first? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know that we were we were crazy before the cannabis. Yeah, <laughs> I mean wow. truly, like we we've been kind of we're kind of at the forward edge here. I mean Oregon for sure. Oregon and Washington really at the forward edge of the assault on parental authority. Whoa. Um, but I. I just really want to encourage moms back to a place of of making the Bible the place where they go for wisdom. And we're not. We're going to teachers and speakers and we're, you know, there's Counselors, so many. I, yeah, I hit this in the book, you know, really hard. There are so many um, so-called preachers and bloggers and teachers out there who say that they're Christians. But I'm telling you what, what the gospel they're preaching is not the gospel that's in the Bible. And so I'm trying to get women to um, to learn to put on the armor of God for themselves because we're 
depending on other people to do it for us, which is never what the Apostle Paul asked us to do, right? He's like, suit up. He didn't say, go to church on Sunday and have your pastor suit you up. Your pastor does not want to do that, A. And B. Wasn't meant to. Yeah. It wasn't, he was not meant to. It's not his job. So I'm trying to just, um, I'm just, it's, I want to do more than write a book. I want to start a movement of women mm. back to the word of God, back to the word of God as the authority in our life. The, the, the book ends with the chapter called Unshakable, which is the whole reason I wrote the book, just talking about the authority that the word of God carries with it or should carry with it in the lives of Christian mothers. And so God's not silent on the issues that we're facing in the culture today. He's not silent on human sexuality. He's not silent on issues that are dividing the church. Mm. He's not silent. And I think um, oftentimes I hear people say, oh, I just don't know. And I'm thinking to myself, go go to the word, like get before the Lord in prayer. But, you know, we don't want to do that. I keep hearing mom say, I don't have enough time. And I, I told you guys, you know, before we came on the air, I'm not one of those. I, I want to get women off the bench and back onto the battlefield. Hmm. And that's really why um, why I wrote Becoming Mom Strong, just to say, listen, you can fight with everything that's in you for your family and your faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what it looks like to uh, to to reengage with your children. Talk to them about the tough things. Like, why are we as Christian parents not talking about the things that the culture is talking about? It's like mm-hmm. we run and hide from it. And then when it hits us, you know, square in the face, we're offended. Um, <laughs> we, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're arguing over red solo cups, you know, exactly. we're over or the statues the or yeah, or whatever we're arguing oh. over, just distracted. So what would you say to the mom who wants to jump in and be an advocate for their child? Mm-hmm. Or they might even be under the self-flattery episode that they're thinking they are their child's advocate. What would you say to the mom yeah. who's like, okay, I hear her, this struck a chord with me. What What's yeah. next? Well, I'm all, you know, to me, the first thing is always go and be in the word. Yes. Right. I think that mm. for me, and I wrote about this just kind of a, almost like a confession. I, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, um, as a mother and, and as, you know, someone who's been married now for 28 years, I realized about three or four years ago that the, and I love the word of God, but I'll tell you what, that is the thing I fight for more than any other thing during my day is to set those 15 minutes aside, 15 minutes to set that time aside, to be in the word by myself, to really cry out to the Lord on behalf of my children. And I mm. thought to myself, this is the devil. Like at, at mm. some point there was like, ding, 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 this is the devil. Like when I wake up in the morning and the first thing I want to do is make sure that the clothes go from the washer to the dryer yes. or get the meat out of the freezer because I forgot to do it last night. The I list. know that as soon as my feet hit the floor and I go downstairs and engage my children, it's pretty much over. Yep. And so I have to dedicate that time in the morning. Mm. And if that means set my alarm early to, uh, to be in the word, that's what I have to do. But it's a spiritual battle. And I think, um, mothers, especially who are not in the word, what happens over time is our spiritual eyes grow dim and we're no longer able to engage the culture from a biblical point of view because we will end up sacrificing truth on the altar of mercy. And we don't recognize that, that we are called as Christians to live in the tension between truth and grace, which means we love like crazy, but we tell the truth. And and somewhere along the line, that's that's been lost in the culture. And so I'm encouraging mothers. I'm like, I'm doing the whole like Mel Gibson, you know, Braveheart thing. I'm waving my flag, you know, in front of all these mothers. And I'm just saying, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's get back to the word of God. What does God have to say about marriage? What does he have to say about human sexuality? He's very clear. I made them male and female in my image. Why are we as Christians buying into this idea that gender is fluid? Hello? You know, it's amazing to me. I think I told you guys a few minutes ago that Oregon Governor Kate Brown 
just passed, uh, just signed a bill into law. The the nation's most grisly mm, abortion uh, bill has so. just been signed into law. So in in Oregon, it doesn't matter. You can be an illegal immigrant. You could be. You could have no money. Doesn't matter if you. Uh, it doesn't matter what reason or what stage of pregnancy. So you if could I be a millionaire. Go, <laughs> doesn't yeah. matter where you're at. It doesn't. Yeah, that's right. There is it's no qualification. Right. There's no classification, and there's no rationale. Yeah, there's no justification. And honestly, you can go, I could go down to the Lovejoy Clinic in Portland where most of the abortions in Portland are done. I could go down to the Lovejoy Clinic right now, nine months pregnant, and tell the lady at the front desk, I'm pregnant with a girl, but I've decided I don't want a girl, I want a boy, and I could get an abortion at nine months. That is how grisly mm. and how callous the abortion bill is in in uh, in Oregon right now. And I I find it amusing because they also think the gender is fluid. So I don't know why the lady in in the Planned Parenthood office wouldn't say, "Well, if you don't like the gender when they're born, yeah, just tell them they're actually not it. that gender. Why That's do we right. have to Amen. kill your yeah. baby? Why can't yeah. we just reassign it? You yeah. know." But it's do you see the madness of it? Yes. Mm. And I and I just you know to me I just think it's time. I really do. I do for too. and I'm seeing this all over the place. You guys are doing it. I know so many other uh, Christian authors and speakers who are saying, listen, yeah. uh, the, the change that we need as a nation, you know, we just had Barack Obama in, you know, in office for eight years because we wanted hope and change. And now we have uh, Trump in office because we want to make America great again. And the truth is hope and change and making America great never can be found in a president. We got to go back to the word and we got to know what God says and we got to walk the way Jesus would want us to walk. So mm-hmm. that is the heart behind becoming mom strong. It really is a battle cry. And I wrote a Bible study to go along with it. So I'm hoping uh, that it'll be in churches all over the country this fall. Mm-hmm. Well, you talk a lot in your book about like letting, don't, not letting the past dictate your future and not mm-hmm. letting maybe your struggles or your pain or your background or, or whatever it yeah. is that you came from. Can you um, tease that out a little bit for people yeah. listening? I would love to hear more. Yeah. So I, um, I grew up in a Christian home. There were seven children in my home. I went to a Christian school. My grandparents put us through a Christian school. So from kindergarten to 12th grade, I went to a private Christian school, but my father was raised by an alcoholic and Mm -hmm. he was an abusive man. And my father parented me the way his father parented him. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up in an abusive home. You know, the police were called to my home frequently when I was a child. And when I, when I became an adult, you know, a lot of times you just, when, when you're afraid, you learn to lie right? We lie because we're afraid. And I grew up lying. I lied about injuries. I lied about bruises. I lied Mm. about my life. Mm. And when I got married, my poor husband, when I got (laughs) married at the age of 19 and um, I came to live, you know, with my husband, this very, Jay's like a gentle giant. He's just, he's incredibly wise and he's very gentle. And I grew up in such an opposite environment. I began Mm. to have panic attacks and I wrote about it in the book because I, I thought I was going to die. I mean, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I wasn't sure what was going on. And I finally, after a year and a half of suffering through that, I went to my doctor and he very boldly uh, said to me, this is a panic attack, blah, blah, blah. You have general, uh, you know, generalized anxiety disorder. He wrote me a prescription for Xanax and started me on an antidepressant medication. Mm -hmm. But he said, honestly, he said, Heidi, I don't think you're being honest about your life. He said, I, I rarely see people come in here with the kind of symptoms that you do, which are really just post traumatic stress for whatever reason, because oh, I hadn't yeah. really told him a whole lot about my life. For and sure. He's like, you need you need to start getting honest uh, mm. about your life. And so I spent, and my husband was a pastor, I spent <laughs> you know, probably 20 years of our life in the ministry Covering. on it. I was yeah. on those antidepressants more than I was off of them and just wrestling through this, mm. you know, this, um, you know, I'm the kind of girl, and I'm still like this to a certain degree, 
Um, I will have panic will just hit me for no reason at all. I understand it now. I think when you're a child and someone beats you, um, I think you're, mm. I think that your brain, my brain is hardwired yes. for, um, like I don't startle very well. <laughs> you know, yeah. somebody startles me, I'm on edge for six hours, I you know? You. Yeah. And I think that's the startle reflex that kind of happens in the fight or flight, which is how I grew up. For sure. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I wrote about just coming to terms mm. with, um, my past and needing and wanting, desperately wanting the mm. approval of my earthly dad. Mm. And I realized at one point I was probably never going to get it. Yeah. And I felt like the Lord was just saying, Heidi, could you just see yourself the way I see you? And so I try to walk moms who, for whatever reason, we all come, everybody has a story, right? Right. Yeah. We all have stuff that we, that we struggle with, but I'm trying to get um, these mothers, especially because you can't give your kids what you don't have. Yes. We have to be able to see ourselves through God's lens. How does he see Heidi St. John? And yeah. I began to I began to just start to listen to his voice instead of my dad's voice. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. I heard him say, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. I have a plan and you were created on purpose for a purpose. And I want to use your life for my glory. Mm-hmm. And it began to change. Once, once I began to listen to his voice and so the voices in my past, yeah. the narrative of my life began to change from a woman who felt like a victim to someone who felt like, okay, God wants to bring victory in my life out of this, which is why I said I never thought I'd write a book about becoming mom strong because I'm surprised. I mean, that God would give me this woman with massive panic attacks, panic girl, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm anxiety girl, right? Able to leap to the worst conclusion in a single bound. Like that's me. So (laughs) your superpower. Thank you. That's my my superpower. It's anxiety. Yeah. But that God would do that, that God would give me seven children when I can't keep houseplants alive. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, he has to have there's something that God's doing with my life. And Mm -hmm. so he's writing this like he's writing a redemption story on my life. And I wanted to share the story of redemption that God's doing in my life with other mothers. Thank you for being so honest, Heidi. I know people out there listening, I just appreciate your vulnerability and honesty. And I I know God will not waste your story. Nothing is wasted Mm -hmm. in his economy. So just thanks. That's right. Oh, yeah. And we're in a new era where we can be vulnerable. I mean, I think about my dad in the 80s. You couldn't say the things that we can say today. You can't. You couldn't say, "I struggle. I'm afraid. I'm worried for my kids in the future." Or I have anxiety. Gonna, yeah, oh, I have anxiety. I get. <laughs> and I still love Jesus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because you know we didn't have that. And it's interesting because you have the Lord calling you back to tell your story of redemption, mm. and that's that call back to the thing you started with. Hey, there are some great books out there. There are some amazing speakers out Indeed. there. There's some brilliant pastors out there. Get in the Word. Start yep. your day with a word. That is the yep. highest priority. And I'm, I'm pointing the fingers back at myself yeah. now thinking this. Me too. The yeah. highest priority of your day isn't getting the laundry done or feeding your yep. kids. Yep. It's getting fed by the word and then doing the rest. It's not one or mm. the other. It's mm-hmm. the both and of that. But I like that bring back that you keep doing here because you can't hear the Lord if you're not listening to him. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly. And I do think, you know, we're living and I think Ryan, you and I have talked about this before, but I, I think that we're living in the, in the time of what I call just a perfect storm, right? We're living in a generation of biblically literate Christians and a time of incredible deception in the culture. Like the fact that we no longer feel comfortable saying that men are men and women are women. Right. um, Tells me that, that, that the devil has. I'm still comfortable saying that. What are you talking about? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I'm totally fine saying that. I love the differences between us. I think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. I think it's yeah. the cause, not the correlation. I think it's yeah. the cause for why this summer in 
not this summer, in three days, my parents will have been married for 57 years. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. 57 years. They're so different that it's still new. It's still exciting. The mystery. You know, Mm. Heidi, what you're talking about now, you say in the book that in this day and age, in this culture, moms need a special kind of strength. Is Mm -hmm. that why? Is it because there is more deception and so much illiteracy in the biblical word and truths, in faith yeah. and in biblical truths and all that. Is that yeah. why we need extra special strength? Well, I think we need extra strength because we're dealing with questions that we didn't even see coming. Mm. You know, we, mm. we did not see, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, if I was going to see Bruce Jenner in a corset on the cover exactly. of Vogue magazine, I'd have been like, no, no. no. And then, and not <laughs> only that, but we're just like, good for you. Yes, do it. Embrace right? your true, true self. When the psalmist said, what do you mean good for you? We're going to give him woman of the year <laughs> award. <laughs> We gave yeah. a guy. By the way, feminists, please, Listen. please tell me that bummed you out. Please tell me that you sat home stewing Sad. that men are so amazing. We're also the best women too. Come on, come on, let's get mad. We rule so know, much you know, that if we true. want to, in six short months, we can be the best woman in the world too. But Heidi, I yeah. want to regroup on this because this is funny and I get it. But you talked earlier about fighting the good fight, and I think. I want moms and dads out there to recall and to remember the fight that you were up against because I think it'd be really easy to get distracted and start fighting a fight that sounds good. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I got to jump on that bandwagon or oh, yeah. let me jump on that Trump wagon and or whatever it is. So can you just ground us again and what are we fighting for, please? You know, oh my goodness. I think we're fighting for the souls of men. Mm. I think this we're talking about, you know, eternity here. And I wrote I actually wrote a blog post a couple of days ago because I'm just so frustrated with what's happening. Um, Obviously, it's terrible what happened in Charlotte. Right. We can all agree. Racism, evil, the KKK. Do do we even have to denounce that? Okay, so I guess we do. So we will. Okay. But to me, the thing that's so disturbing about this is we are allowing the enemy to distract us. When we when we became Christians, we gave up our right to carry offense. We gave up our right to carry offense. Jesus said that we are called to forgive anything against anyone. And so why in 2017 are we arguing about things that do not carry with them maternal significance when babies are being slaughtered in the womb, when we have devalued marriage to the point where our families are falling apart? Someone was talking to me Mm. about the black community the other day, actually a black friend of mine. And she said the thing that's astonishing to her is that the black community is aborting their children at an incredibly higher pace than any other uh, demographic in the nation. And yet we want to we're, we're going to argue and fight about statues. It's just I think we've we've mm. forgotten what it is that's happening. The Bible says that, that we are engaged in a spiritual battle against things that we cannot see with yep. our eyes. That's right. Mm. And so we in, in order for us to have uh, to have spiritual eyes, we have to be in the word like, Father, open my eyes. What's really going on? What's going on behind uh, behind the, the the argument with the statues? And in fact, in the book, I, I talk about um the snare of offense. And I looked up the word offense in the Greek and it literally means scandalon. It's a part of the of a trap where bait is hung. And I think that hmm. the enemy is using offense. I mean, we're so offended, right? We're so offended about everything. And we're not offended about things we should be offended about. Like babies being killed in the womb should offend us. We should be like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, not we can be intolerant part. about that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, there are certain things. Yeah. But you know, um, and if I you've had an the, abortion, I'm just going to throw that out. We love you and we are with you yeah. and we get it too. We see both sides. Just yeah, had to throw sure. that yeah. out for the moms out there. We talked about this on a podcast just a day or so ago, Heidi, the snare of offense. Mm. And yep. we were hoping you'd unpack this. I'm glad you brought it up. Talk about 
just talk about the concept of the snare of offense for a little mm-hmm. bit. We've got time. So let's dig into that yeah. a little bit and what, what that's doing to moms. What's that's doing to our country. You're talking about Charlotte and all of us know about this. I had a thought. I'm right. not saying it's not terrible because it is terrible. But this national focus on racism, I, I got to be honest. Are there one in a thousand people that's an actual racist? I don't think so. I mean, yeah. it's. Goodness yeah, gracious, this so. problem is so little. That's all we're talking about. And it makes it seem like people that look like me, I'm blonde haired, I'm blue eyed, and I'm white, that I have a prejudice against black people. Listen, I've got nieces and nephews that are black. I don't I know. We were going to adopt a black child. We like, tried to not... adopt from Ethiopia. We and tried Ghana. to adopt from Ghana. <laughs> we tried to adopt from from South Korea. Baby, we'd, uh, we're in it all. I mean, is there yeah. one in 10,000 that's an actual... Why are we talking about this? There's so well, much more we could be doing. Mm-hmm. We're talking about it because the devil wants us to talk about it. Yeah. That's yeah. why. Yeah. That's yeah. why we're talking about Preach it. That. And I, I, said, mm-hmm. I said this the other day, I'm pretty sure I said it in the book, but maybe not this way. I believe that the standard by which we measure offense as Christians needs to be recalibrated. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we've lost our way. We're making mm-hmm. an idol out of our right not to be offended. And I don't mm-hmm. think that anything good's going to come of it. I'm Me wondering, neither. why are we teaching our children to march in the streets because we are offended over statues when yep. real life babies are being ripped from their mm-hmm. mother's womb. I just, to me, it's the enemy who has set this a trap, who has set the trap. The Bible says offense is a trap. It's a snare that's set by the devil to distract us from what's really happening. And mm-hmm. we are stepping in almost every trap that he is setting right now. Mm-hmm. Even every, in our marriages and with our children. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we can yeah. take it locally, but go down to just you and your spouse. Yeah. When How yes. easily we get offended when our spouse doesn't yep. kiss us goodbye or, you know, yep. whatever it may be, yep. whatever you want to pick the offense. Ryan yeah. and I are just like, lay those offenses down. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Heidi, well, the I fact heard... of the matter is that when, we, when you know, offenses are going to come our way in every every area of our life and when they do we get to choose how to respond right so we can choose not to be we can choose not to be offended colossians Mm. 3 um paul's telling us that we should bear with one another and if anybody has a complaint against somebody else we forgive them even as christ forgave us it's like we have forgotten how much we have been forgiven and so we're unwilling to really we're unwilling to forgive and i think it's a black eye on the on the church i think it's it speaks and it doesn't speak to the gospel of Jesus at all. And I also think, you know, while we're allowing ourselves to get drug into the swamp of offense, a coup is taking place. It's like we've forgotten to keep our eyes on the real enemy. And so while we're distracted talking about, you know, all these little things that offend us, our enemy, the devil, has come to kill and steal and destroy. And he is taking direct aim at destroying our mm-hmm. unity as brothers and sisters of every race in mm-hmm. Christ. When the blood of Jesus is what unites us, yeah. you know, and so I think I think it's one of I think offense is one of the enemy's most powerful weapons, and its primary purpose is to keep us from growing in power and strength in the Lord. Mm. And we have got to we've got to do better than this. Offended people are ineffective in the yeah. spiritual battle that we've <laughs> totally. been called to engage in. Because mm. when we're offended, what are we doing? We're focusing on our own pain. Yep, uh-huh. we're focusing on ourselves, and the devil is using it to take us off the battlefield and ultimately out of the war. Because I think at the end of the day, he wants to sideline Christians who would otherwise otherwise be an effective witness for the Lord. And we are certainly sidelined when we're marching around statues in the South. I mean, to me, that is sideline 101. Mm-hmm. So, you know, can, it's can I ask you a question about that? I was yeah. listening to um, Ben Shapiro in an interview the other day. He's a firebrand people. Oh boy. I know yeah. Ben. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love him. I think he's really, really I smart. Do too. He yep. said something that was a slap in the face to modern cultural parenting, I think. And 
I've been thinking about it for a while and I'm, I'm trying to figure out that tightrope that you can walk with this. But he said one of his roles as a parent is to teach his children when their anger is not justified. Mm. And they get really mad about something and he goes, listen, you have no reason to be mad. Your anger is completely unjustified. Control yourself. And that's mm-hmm. teaching them to be an adult. And I thought, you know, all the parenting things I'm seeing today is validate your kids' feelings, validate your kids' feelings. The way they feel is unique to them and you can't, you know, you can't argue with how somebody feels. And I think, well, man, I don't know if, you know, we've been to a water park and an amusement park and, uh, you know, (laughs) all these things day after day after day. And then the next day we decide not to do anything and you're so angry that we're not going to go do this big thing. Well, then your anger is unjustified. That's Mm -hmm. an improper use of anger. Is that part of our role as a parent? How do we balance the, it's okay to say how you feel and your feelings are justified and only you can have them and to say, well, I'm sorry, you're sad for no reason. You're making yourself sad or you're making yourself angry or whatever those is. Yeah, well, I I mean, obviously, you know what I'm gonna say about this. Our feelings are not always justified. You know, isn't that the, isn't that the whole point of parenting? I mean, there's a hundred different times a day that I go to my children and say, oop, nope, sorry, try again. You actually don't get to do that. But the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin, right? So we know that. But he, but we're also called to do everything we can to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, which means we better be examining our thoughts. So I'm, I'm always telling my kids, the next time they find themselves struggling with feelings of offense or they're so angry that they're going to you know, take their toys and go home or whatever, I ask my children, does, does this offense, this thing that this person did to you or whatever, does it warrant the emotional energy that you're giving it? Mm. And nine times out of 10, the answer is no, because uh, they're not doing what the Lord commanded us. We've, we've been called to live uh, in live peacefully with each other. And to, we're also called to take our thoughts captive, to be captive to the Holy Spirit. And we're not doing that when we're throwing a fit over everything. So yeah, I do think, you know, parents, we need to get back to this idea of, I mean, the whole reason the transgender movement's taking, uh, to, is taking hold, I think, in the culture with lots of reasons. But one reason is that we have, a, we're telling this to our children, you know, your feelings are your feelings and you just own them and those are yours but the bible says that the heart is desperately wicked who can know it so what we're trying to do is bring our thoughts captive to the mind of christ lord is this what you am i should i be offended about this lord show me Mm. you know i think i just asked the lord that question yesterday (laughs) you know when (laughs) when somebody in my family said something to me that i was just like well, da, 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 that's fine. You know, then I went up to my room to pout like a three-year-old child mm. and I had to like take it to the Lord. And, and, you know, I, in fact, my husband and I, I think, um, I don't know, I don't know when this, there's too many things are happening in my life every day, but I was leaving to go somewhere and he was coming back and we actually passed each other on our little gravel driveway. And I was in my heart, I was kind of frustrated with him because I felt like, um, he hadn't been home that day and so many things had happened. I needed his help. And I kind of snapped at him. You know, mm. I wasn't, I wasn't like a flat out, you know, jerk to him, but I wasn't really very kind. Yeah. And as soon as I pulled away, I just heard the Holy Spirit. And he was just like, boy, Heidi, really? That's that's the best. That's the best you got. This man who's loved you for 20, you know, almost 30 years now and been Mm -hmm. been there for really. You, you need to get it right. I mean, it's that listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I think as parents, our job is to train our children to hear that voice. Because as soon as I got to the grocery store, I sat in the parking lot, called Jay, and I was like, listen, dude, I'm really sorry. Like, that was mm. lame. 
you know, good repair I'm really attempt. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Mm. I, I, well, I needed to make it right. And I yeah. think, you know, as our kids see us sensitive to the spirit and living that out in For our sure. marriages and living that out in our friendships and in our families, I think they're going to be more, they're going to be more likely and more able to do the same. But it's like I said at the beginning, we can't give our kids what we don't have. Yeah, it's like so, that airplane analogy. Put your yeah. mask on first before assisting Hello. others. We love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's what we tell a lots okay. of married couples that we're with or families. Hey, you get as healthy as you can by, you know, spending time in the word, doing what you need to do to get healthy. So you can be there for your spouse and there for your children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. And the only way to do that is to be in the word. Mm-hmm. It's just the only way. And we, we I think that we want to have like a, we want to say that there's a, that there's a shortcut, you know, a different way. Like, yeah. <laughs> we want our best life now, you know, yeah. we don't, mm-hmm. we don't want it, you know, right. when in the years it's going to take us to actually grow that. And it's a message that parents really need to hear because there is no, I keep mm-hmm. thinking, where's the easy button for parenting? Where yes. is it? There yeah. isn't one. Well, it's, even it's for life, I think I keep no. seeing people want the easy button for life or they get to the checkout stand and, hey, I ordered lifestyle A and it's not happening. Yeah. So I am mad. And it's like, yeah, um, there's some other options there. Let's just. Yeah. Slow yeah. it down. Do the hard of, work. I feel like this sort of crybaby approach to parenting needs to stop, Maybe. you know, and we you know we're, we're trying to raise adults, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like as a mother, you know, I've been, and I have seen the, the parenting landscape change a lot in 26 years, I bet. but I feel like it's time, you know, I'm just saying, Hey mom, dad, come back to the, the authority and the centrality and the, um, position that the word of God and walking with God should take in our lives. And if we are taking personal responsibility for our own walk with the Lord, not depending on our pastor, not depending, and my goodness, test the spirits, right? I mean, I can think of five uh, bloggers off the top of my head who I just wish they'd stop talking about Jesus entirely. Mm. You know, it's just like, don't, we can't, we can't give our kids what we don't have. We've got to go back to the word of God. And I think that's when we're going to see um, God began to do a healing work in our nation because unless and until we repent as a as a people, right? It starts with repentance, and mm-hmm. we say, "Lord, we're sorry. You you haven't been the head of our home. Focus, you haven't yeah. been our focus. Yeah, we're sorry." And I think God works through that. You know, He's going to come in and say, "I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Let's move. Let's move forward." And I think until we do that, healing's going to elude our nation. It's going to elude our churches, and it's going to elude our families. Mm-hmm. And I'm I am just like I told you. I I want to start a movement of mm-hmm. women becoming mom strong, going back to the word and saying, you know what, Satan, actually not today, not today, Satan, because I'm going to get in the word and I'm going to, I am going to go uh, to you for help instead of, you know, phoning a friend. I'm going to go to the Mm -hmm. Lord. And, and if the Lord says, Hey, go talk to this person, then that's great. But my go-to has got to be Jesus. I've got to go to him first. I really think, you know, Ryan, you guys, well, Laura, you probably been watching this too. We've been walking through this thing with my nephew Mm -hmm. and um, we have seen the power of prayer. It's like we've mm. forgotten that we serve the Lord of heaven yeah. armies, right? The God of the Tell our listeners, oh, they're not following universe. you as oh. much as we are. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your yeah. nephew. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the miracle. So, it's such a miracle. So on the 27th of June, um, just a just a couple of months ago, my 17-year-old nephew, um, who, by the way, is half Filipino. Yay, there you go. So uh, so my 17-year-old nephew. You had to bring that is, up because you're a racist. I am. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. So uh, he was backing into his driveway. The police said maybe just going between uh, one and four miles an hour. So he took off his seatbelt. He's backing into his driveway and um, he was hit by a car going 50 miles an hour 
just hit him just broadside. And because he wasn't wearing a seatbelt, I mean, it wouldn't have been good for him no matter what, but I think the seatbelt would have made the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he wasn't wearing a seatbelt, he, he was uh, knocked to the back of his car and he hit his head and basically shattered the back windshield mm. and shattered his skull. skull. And they spent mm. like, I don't know, four or five hours just picking his skull out of his brain. He broke his neck, completely shattered oh. his neck. So his vertebrae at C6 is completely missing. And oh. so he has a broken neck. He has what's called it. Uh, he has a traumatic brain injury yeah. called a DAI. It's a diffuse anoxal injury. So it's like the worst case of shaken baby that you could oh. possibly imagine. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. So. We get this call, all of it. Yeah, terrible. We get this call, you know, we go down to the hospital and the worst possible news that a person can get. I mean, I stood there and watched them tell my sister, there's a good chance your son is going to die. And so Mm. we went back, they took us back two at a time, back to the trauma center to see him. And he actually didn't look bad. That's the thing. I mean, his, his injury, he, you know, he not broken bones, really his face looked okay. It was the devastating, Mm -hmm. yeah, the devastating injury to his neck and his brain was really the problem. Oh, and the artery, the major artery that runs up the back of your neck that supplies blood to your brain was completely severed yeah, uh, yeah. in the crash. And mm. the the paramedics said he should have bled out on the scene. Like they, when they got there, they actually didn't life flight him. I think they thought he because was going to die anyway. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you know what? Oregon culture of death. If we don't think you're worth it or we don't think we can do it, we're not going to spend the money. And that's the truth. Like oh, that's okay. the, that is the bottom line. So they didn't even life flight him. My sister got to the hospital before he did. And we, anyway, so we get there and in the, and in the weeks that followed, I, I've started going to the medical team meetings with my sisters mm-hmm. and there's like 15 people in these meetings, you know? Um, and as soon as I saw palliative care there, I was like, oh my gosh, like we're in trouble big. When palliative care is called in, they're basically just saying, how can we make him comfortable? Yeah. So oh. that you can, um, so that you can so turn him off. Then, yeah. Put, unplug it. Yeah. And they said that to my sister, she was pressured many times to, uh, to, to take him off life support. They said, well, he's. They said, if he wakes up, he'll be in what's called a persistent vegetative state, which he was for a while. I mean, he, he could open his eyes just barely, but it was like the lights were on and no one was home. Mm. You know, and they said, Heidi, I got to stop you for a second. Yeah. The callousness of a doctor who's taken the Hippocratic oath to tell oh, yeah. a parent your ability to love your child ceases to exist because they can't communicate back with you. Yeah. Is, it's wrong. That's an yeah. abomination. You love it's this so child, fun. vegetative state or not, he's your child. Yeah. Yeah. I'd still really. lay my life down for my kid in a vegetative state. How dare you tell me I don't get to love him any longer? Mm. That's exactly right. Well, and honestly, if you if you think about I mean, this goes we were basically, you know, now we've got a new like a Terry Shivo thing going on. And <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I can remember I was speaking in uh, Birmingham the weekend, maybe a week and a half after uh, he was in an accident. I called my sister and because I was willing to stay home. I said, listen, if you want me to stay home, I won't go. And she's like, yeah. no, there's really nothing anyone could do at that point. So um, we ended up having um, dinner with some dear friends of ours, drove up to uh, Chattanooga after I spoke in Birmingham and uh, had dinner with some friends of ours who one of them's a physician. And I was going through this whole thing with him. And I said, we're being pressured to like take him off life support and move him to a you know rehab center where they're basically not going to take care of him except mm-hmm. for make sure he has a G tube, you know. And he looked at me, I mean, he, he slammed his hand. I will never forget this as long as I live. He slammed his hand down on the table and he said, you never, never, never take a 17 year old kid off of life support. You never do. He said, what is, what is happening where your, your nephew has only been injured now for two weeks and we're already talking about just giving up. We're going to give up. And so I began Mm -hmm. just to pray. I was like, Lord, could you please take this decision away from my sister that we are pressuring parents to make this 
terrible decision. It was just, it was so egregious. Anyway, in the months to come, months to follow, we saw God do amazing things. We held a prayer rally out in the courtyard of the hospital. <laughs> and they they did this thing called Buses for Bobby. His name's Bobby. They did Buses for Bobby. They bust students in from all around the Portland Gresham area. Whoa. And we shared the gospel, like full mm-hmm. on. Hundreds of people sitting out there. And my sister threw her tears because Bobby still had not woken up at this time. Oh. Uh, she was like, listen, the miracle has already happened in Bobby's life. Yeah. When Bobby's heart was softened to the message of the gospel and he accepted Jesus as his savior, he was born again. And that was the real miracle. And now we're just asking God for a bonus round. We're saying, God, could you heal his body? Could you restore his mind? Could you make him? And they said he's a quadriplegic. He'll never move from his shoulders down. And I don't know if you guys have watched him. You can follow him. I made oh, yeah. it. I created a page for him at Miracles for Bobby Asa on Facebook. And um, maybe you guys can link back to it. But there's like 25,000 sure. people now that are following that page. Mm. And he 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 is walking. He is talking. Yesterday he got oh. his voice back because they're there he has a, a part of his um his epiglottis is uh, paralyzed, yeah. half open. And they're working at that. But this is a boy who they said would never wake up and would never walk and would never move. And we serve Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Mm-hmm. It's like we've forgotten who we serve. And mm-hmm. I think God answers the prayers of his people. Does he always answer the way that we want? No. But no. Romans 8 tells us that he does everything for our good. Everything that happens mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. in the life of a believer as we lay before the cross is done for our good. And that's what I said, like, I think two nights after the accident, I just got on Facebook Live. Really, I was trying to talk to my sister. Yeah, I didn't realize that millions mm-hmm. of people were going to see that video. But I said, whether the Lord chooses to heal Bobby here or whether he heals Bobby in heaven, it will not change who God is. Yes. The Bible says that God is good. And whether mm-hmm. he, he restores Bobby to us, like we're asking or whether he doesn't, we will not question the goodness and authority of God. Mm-hmm. And I I just, I mean, I think the Lord's obviously he's using the, the story in an incredible way, but the healing that's happened in that boy, there's nobody in the hospital can explain it. I love to watch the neurologist <laughs> come in there and go, well, <laughs> I bet you did that oh, coming. I know, you know? Right? <laughs> so yeah, pretty, it's pretty uh, amazing to, uh, to watch. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're just believing God for full healing mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. that young man. So he's got a long road ahead of him, but boy, uh, it's a miracle. It mm-hmm. really is. It's a super miracle. I had doctors do that with me. My my GI, I have I had ulcerative colitis, and I mm. looks like I've been healed from it. And my GI is like, I can't explain this, and I'm like, I can. Super. I easy. can. That's right. Yeah. Heidi, yeah. Have, thank you. Jesus. It's so <laughs> amazing to have you on. We've loved it. We love becoming mom strong. We appreciate this. I have joined the movement with you, Heidi. Absolutely. Yay. Producer Kristen's in it. We're all <laughs> in it. Thank you so much for coming on. And anytime you've got something new, please come back. Thank or you if you so want much. to I really talk, appreciate it. Or if you want to do some other uh, just mom podcasts, I'd be love. I'd love to do some with you. Yeah, we'll get Dude, you I would love that. I could hang out with you guys all day long. We'll do it again. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Heidi. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Rebels, we are out of time for today, but man, I liked having Heidi on. I really do like her. She challenges me to get back in the Word, and I think that's the most important thing we could have learned today. Becoming Mom Strong is the book. You can find that in the show notes at rebelparenting.org. Also, don't miss me, Rebel Live, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, facebook.com slash Dobson or youtube.com slash James Ryan Dobson. I love you guys. God bless. We'll see you next week.